Welcome to Barnes University Radio. I'm Charles Barnes. This is another episode where we talk about the Tennessee Titans. Um, Week 15, they just let one slip away from the Houston Texans at home, 24-21 loss. Today's episode, I don't know what I'm going to title it title it necessarily but let me just make this disclaimer and and set this as the platform in no way shape or form am i discrediting or you know talking about or trying to you know say anything negative towards the tennessee titans front office coaching staff all i'm doing it and in the, the direction that I want to take this podcast, all I'm doing is basically prefacing or setting up how I do things and how much and how clairvoyant it is towards the uh, success of the Tennessee Titans. That's all I'm doing. Am I being self-appreciating? Am I put, putting myself on a platform? Some might say that you're just, you know, upping yourself. That's really all marketing is at the end of the day, isn't it? I am in the profession or I'm in the position to where I I have to. That is the name of the game. But also what I do is is based off of passion and truth is not to try to get numbers and clickbait is not to try to get people um, scam people out of their money by being a culture vulture um, trying to. What's a culture vulture? Somebody who embodies themselves within a community and um, gets financial gains off of the fans or the people's either stupidity or fandom. That is not me. Everything I do is out of truth. Everything I do is out of passion and for the betterment of Nashville and the Tennessee Titans, first and foremost, no matter how it sounds. So as I go into this podcast and my main points I want to state that the Tennessee Titans, the fact that they're eight and six after starting two and four um, is incredibly impressive. And I've already given extreme shout outs to the coaching staff on how they're preparing the guys on uh, Vrabel's nonchalant, um, even keel uh, coaching approach. I think that approach paired with the way that he tailors um, how he approaches every player differently. You know, trying to get the most out of them because at the end of the day, it you know, if you're trying to build a team and you can't necessarily gain assets midseason, you have to try to find everything you can to get out of these players in terms of asset maximization. That's something that I truly believe in. As a GM, you're trying to gain assets, but then at some point during the season, you're trying to maximize those assets when you cannot get any other players in the building. So hopefully I've kind of drove that in, you know, hit it, hit the nail on top of the head and, and, you know, close that off. But how, with all that being said, how did J-Rob, and this is the first time ever that publicly and from accountability standpoint, uh, GM for the Tennessee Titans has outdrafted me. I'm here to say it this year, J-Rob has outdrafted me in terms of you look at all the players that he picked, all the players that I went live and picked, even though some of the players he picked, I was this close. And and if you could see me, I'm literally like less than a centimeter close to selecting myself players that stand out 
players that stand out in my mind. A.J. Brown, um, Amani Hooker specifically. And then we even share a player that we both took in DeAndre Walker. And, and for the first time, listeners, they're like, you didn't pick anybody. You're not on the team. Well, I went live. I, first of all, I watched over 400 prospects. I tried to become as familiar as I could with every prospect that was draft eligible um, or that I thought was worthy to be drafted in any, in any way. Um, and what I did was I went live before the Titans selected every pick and I picked my own player. So their level of accountability would be at an all time high. And I did that this year because a lot of people, you follow several different types of draft analysts, people who claim to be this and, and they give good content. But, but at the end of the day, when you go back and backtrack, how accurate were they? And I did that this year just to kind of challenge myself. And I, and I was very diligent in the process of acquiring these, these names and, and understanding their skill sets. But what I didn't do well was during draft day, I did not treat it as, as you know, teams treat it. You know, the whole day, if not throughout the night, they're still resetting their boards. They're having meetings. You know, during the draft days for me, I was babysitting basically with my daughter the whole time. You know, I was with my kid the whole day. And then when the draft, when the pick came, I was rushing to try to draft the player, which was totally at a disadvantage for myself. But that's not an excuse. That is only a, an improvement. So I'm, I'm not making excuses what I'm about to say in this podcast, but I'm making improvements uh, for next year or for whenever. So. Although he outdrafted me, the Tennessee Titans are still a year or two behind based off of because I lucky me. I also did a 2019 mock offseason that kind of just gave a good picture of how the Tennessee Titans should move in 2019 to best maximize 2019, not 2020 necessarily, not 2021 but to maximize 2019. And sometimes when you maximize one season, you can maximize several seasons. Now you look at the the top tier picks that J-Rob selected, Jeffrey Simmons, A.J. Brown, compared to my Jerry Tillery and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, they are complete opposites in terms of production. You know, he won that. And it's not a competition, but I'm just saying, like, every year that I've done this for for eight to 10 years, I've outdrafted whatever general manager was in place. Now, even if I did pick AJ Brown, like I was going to, and then I did pick Amani Hooker, then that's a push. But the players that I didn't, that we didn't see eye to eye on was him taking David Long, me taking Kevontae Turpin, which is basically another version of uh, Khalif Raymond. And me taking Dennis Daly, him taking Nate Davis, and then, you know, obviously the first round pick. So he won the first round pick. I drafted a better lineman. And David Long is actually in the league. So even then, it's kind of a push. But at the end of the day, it's like, yes, maximize. And you could say that set up for the future. One of the reasons why I did not take Jerry, Jeffrey Simmons in the first round, one of the big reasons was... um. I, honestly, the the label and the prototype of a player that was injured during pre-draft workouts and had a history, not only was it the history of what he had done, but it was recorded and forever on the Internet. Those two pairings 
to me in the past that would be a bona fide second round pick early second round pick maybe late first round pick so in my mind without knowledge of what's going on in the league which obviously that's a disadvantage that I have not having league access and league information I thought he was a bona fide second round pick did I think he was a top five talent in this in this draft absolutely did I think he was a BPA at most picks of that round you know before 19 absolutely but I just didn't think that the value was there simply because of that he literally wasn't on mine so touche on that I drafted a player where you were going to get some type of production especially earlier in the year and for those that follow my account on Twitter I gave my mock offseason as well as my updated um, live draft picks to my friend Austin I'll say Austin L um, in the Murfreesboro area who kind of does football analytics and projections accurately um no he doesn't use madden no he doesn't use all that crap he uses uh data that is implied through statistics currently um scheme fits it's a very detailed process and he says this team under my regime would have went 12 and 4 and made it all the way to the afc championship game losing to an afc north opponent and at this point i suggest or i assume it would be the ravens and that team went ahead and went on and won the Super Bowl. Um, so just based off of that projection, that's that. And he, and one of the main things was it was important to get some type of production from your first round pick. Because um, when you have his point was by drafting Jerry Tillery and having some type of production early in the season, you, you make others on the defensive line better, therefore increasing situations such as a pass rush that creates a forced fumble that increases it by 0.25 percent by having another first round talent guy on that defense earlier in the season versus suspect offensive lines at least at the time you you increase your chances for creating at least one more turnover and that's some that's a huge thing i mean i don't know where he's he got that from but it makes sense i mean you have a first round talent guy that increases the defensive rotation guys aren't as tired a guy like jerry tillery as though he's not as physically imposing but he does he can create push when he's put in the right position so i just found that interesting and i i admit jeffrey simmons was not on my radar that day that is a touche that is if i had that information obviously i would have i would have made the same move um then you go to aj brown and jj arcega whiteside everything about aj brown says take him right he's the video game player Literally, he's putting up video game numbers this year for for a rookie rookie in the NFL. My thinking, and you can say it's overthinking it, and I really don't want to put this out in the universe, but I, it is what it is. Like this is why I did not, I was not as big on, um, you know, selecting AJ Brown. One of the biggest reasons was um, he's six foot. 226 pounds that's huge for a wide receiver and usually when players come into the league they get slower and they get bigger it's just what happens it's just growing up you know humans in general you get older you get slower you get bigger very rarely do you come into the nfl and get faster and get slimmer or get smaller so from that perspective yes 
I would be suggesting A.J. Brown go on a diet this year, maybe lose 10 pounds just simply because of the fact that you're going to put on 10 or 15 just by working out and eating good by being in the NFL. So at this pace, A.J. Brown is going to be a 240-yard, I mean a 240-pound fourth-year wide receiver in this league, you know, thinking down the line. And he's going to be slow. He already runs like a 4-4-9, four, four, the same as J.J. Arcega-Watside. They both ran the same 40. So I still think that if you implanted J.J. Arcega-Whiteside into this situation, the explosive yards after catch might not be there, but he would at least have similar catch numbers, a little bit less touchdowns, a little bit less yards. But I still think he's just in a situation in Philadelphia where he came into the situation with second and third stringers because he was behind Deshaun Jackson, uh, Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey, and then Matt Collins at the time. He was literally the fifth receiver taken in the second round. Now, for them, why they took him, I have no clue because I assume he wasn't getting any type of first-team reps for the first – for throughout preseason and then for the first month and a half to two months into the regular season. So he's at an unfair disadvantage. Not making an excuse, but these are facts. So for me, me not taking A.J. Brown was I felt like he would be a one- or two-year wonder – just simply because of the fact that his physicality is going to bring injuries. It just is. His size. Are you going to get slower? Are you going to get faster? Like an Anquan Bolden type of player in this league today. Yes, you will have some years. You will have some big time years and big time plays and big time stuff like that. But I just think the longevity of A.J. Brown, he might be a 10-year Hall of Famer guy. But for me... I know why I did it in the moment, but obviously you have buyers or drafters remorse to some degree. Like, why did I blow that? It's so simple. It was a layup. But for the same in the same respect and in and in the same, you know, thought process, I'm thinking I kind of know why I did it, because I just didn't think he would hold up. To be completely honest, the guy's going to be 200 in some stats in some uh you know, uh, identifications of A.J. Brown. He is 230. 230 at wide receiver as a rookie, and traditionally you get bigger in the NFL. You get bigger and slower. People already say he looks slow. He moves slow. It seems like he's taking a lot to move. So it's like he's one injury away from being not fast. He's, he's uh, five pounds away from being not fast. So I just felt like the ceiling of J.J. Arcega-Whiteside was higher. But the better player is A.J. Brown. But I don't know about the longevity, man. I just don't know. There's no red flags that say he's or anything. It's just a feeling. Now, obviously, it looks like it's a horrible pick. But it is what it is. And But let's get to 15 minutes in. I still haven't gotten to the reason why the Tennessee Titans are a year behind still. And this goes more so less about my draft picks and more so about my team building, my roster dynamics, my roster engineering. The Tennessee Titans, my main thing in my 2019 mock draft, I started off the thing saying that the that the mantra for the year would be to protect the quarterback at all costs. Um, other un, unsaid things 
within that 2019 mock draft that was kind of unsaid but implied was for players that are being paid, even though they have a role here in some people's eyes, maybe you should try to get some compensation for them because the Tennessee Titans don't have that much draft capital and haven't had it for the past two seasons. They just haven't had a lot of draft capital. You need more draft capital because the more impending free agents that leave, you need to have guys, homegrown guys there that are as good playing on a cheaper budget or less less expensive budget. The Tennessee Titans have failed to try to generate any type of draft capital. Instead, they give away draft capital for, you know, and I mentioned Ryan Tannehill as a guy that I possibly would have uh, dealt as well, but his injury history was an issue with me during the process, but obviously he's outplayed that, but we'll see. Um, But you're giving away a fourth-round pick in 2020, so you gave away another pick for this year. So it's like you really have to to knock it out the park with these guys. Hopefully you do, but, like, you just need to generate draft capital. I said, back to the point, though. I said, protect the quarterback and get after the quarterback. Now, I asked you as a Titans fan or someone who knows of the Titans, what are some things that the Tennessee Titans still have to do or still have to address address after this season? They have to sure up the, the, the pass protection, and they have to get a pass rusher. Now, had they done that this year, they would have been a better team, 12-4. Um, and that's really it. Like, I think a lot of times we're like, some people think, okay, we, we got to set ourselves up for the future. We're going to draft a 10-year veteran here. You don't know about a player's future. You know, as arrogant or as cocky as people like to call me or whatever, even I'm not that surefire on the pick. I'll never draft a player and say he's a 10-year starter. You know, I, I say that he could be a future pro bowler. I'll say stuff like that, but I'll, I'll never put like a – a year number necessarily like especially a decade I think that people who draft like that you're setting yourself up for failure because you're setting up every year should be individualized and every year you should do the absolute most to try to win a championship now my whole thing is do you have to do that while bartering the future necessarily sometimes you 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 may if you feel like you have a good group of young guys that's going to be here for a while. Maybe you do barter your future a little bit in terms of draft picks um, because free agency is still a thing. Trades are still a thing. So draft picks aren't the end all be all, but they're really good to have. Um, so I just feel like even though he out, he quote unquote out drafted me this year due to lack of um, acquisition of extra draft picks by trading away useless assets. One would say that Deion Lewis was a useless asset this year. At the time, before people saw that he he does just doesn't fit or he lost a step, whatever you want to say about Deion Lewis, you could have got some capital for him, maybe. And there's other players that, at the time, you could have gotten capital for them, draft capital for them. Um, and then in terms of free agency, the Tennessee Titans kind of sat on their money a little bit after making a couple splash signings which is all fine and dandy, but 
you know, you just got to be able to reboot your offensive line and protect the quarterback. He wasn't protecting in 2018. Why do you think just adding one guy and then one uh, small school lineman in the draft was enough? It just is what it is. Like, the Tennessee Titans are still a year behind. I'm going to be doing a 2020 mock offseason talking about the same things that I did last season that you should have done. So it's just like a, a cycle. And then Tennessee Titans fans, because of the four-game winning streak and going 6-2 and two these last eight weeks, you know, they're on the high of we're a good team. But at the end of the day, you're 8-6 and six and you're in the hunt again. At, when are you going to finally be a division winner and, you know, kind of you control your destiny? That's where I'm trying to get this franchise to be at. And... I don't care what another account, I don't care what another person provides, I don't care what another person is doing on Twitter, I don't care if you really think that Twitter is not the platform to do this. I'm going to start doing it in real life and I'm going to start doing it on this app. I am one, if not the guy that can help this team tangibly get over the hump, period. I am one of the, if not the, guys in this world that can help this team get over the hump. I truly believe that. Bad draft or not, because it's more than drafting. It's obviously about roster dynamics. What is roster dynamics? Knowing where to allocate funds to help your team win. Allocation of funds. What does that mean? It, it means free agency. It also means drafts. It also means poaching other people's um, practice squads, which I feel like, you know, collectively, the Tennessee Titans have done a great job. I think you did a great job in free agency. I think you knocked the draft out of the park. And I think you did some great maneuvering within in the season. But what you didn't do is protect your quarterback or get after the pass the passer that much. And I said that as a staple for 2019. Why did I say that as a staple for 2019? Why did I say that? Because I looked at the schedule ahead of time knowing that we played the AFC West in 2019 and we played the NFC South in 2019. That is a collective of eight games. You play six division games who has who include J.J. Watt, Yannick Ngagwe, Calais Campbell. Uh, you They just acquired Justin Houston, Jabal Sheard, elite pass rushers. So the thought process in the division, I got to protect my quarterback and I'm playing two divisions who get after the quarterback. Now, then I look at the quarterbacks. At the time, I didn't know Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck was going to retire. Who knew? Had an idea, kind of. He was getting beat up, but he did, he retired. Then you got, uh, you know, Nick Foles coming to town, whatever. Um uh, and then, obviously, you had Deshaun Watson. You had to get after the quarterback. You had Pat Mahomes. Um, enough said in the AFC West. You had, you know, obviously, Phillip Rivers. And then you look at the NFC South. You have Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, you know, at the time thinking you might have to go up against Cam Newton. You know, all of these guys, you know, Jameis Winston, all of these guys, you had to get after the quarterback for this year specifically. You had to protect your quarterback for this year specifically. Now, you can say every year this is the thing, but guess what? If the Titans took care of it this year, it wouldn't have been so much of a priority in next year for 2020. These are the minute things that nobody, I guarantee you, nobody that covers the Titans are talking about. They just cover the team. 
and they give little stats that they find out throughout the year. They're not doing what I do, period. And that's going to put the team ahead. Therefore, general people talk about the Tennessee Titans. Oh, you're just one of those fans that know a lot, nerdy stuff, blah, 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 blah. But if you put those type of things in place, then you can't tell me that's not giving you another win or two. So instead of eight and six, you're two, 10 and four. That's important. But people want to brush it off like it's not. That vision, that ideology, that that in general is valuable. It's it's a game or two valuable. And guess what? I bet the Tennessee Titans would kill to have a 12 and four record instead of eight and six and hoping the Steelers lose out or whoever lose out and having to have two tight games. Two important games. Yes, it's exciting. Wow, we win and it's and it stays alive and blah, blah, blah. But who wants to do that? Who wants to play the Tennessee Titans in general? They play about eight playoff games a year. Titans play eight playoff games a year. You know why? Because they're fighting for their lives half the season. It's ridiculous. But it is what it is. Call me the Twitter guy. Call me the guy who blew the 2019 draft. But guess what? That roster engineering is still in place, bruh. That roster engineering is still on point. Believe that. And we will be in a lot better place than we are now. Even with the excellent draft, the excellent free agency, all of that. But... The roster engineering aspect, when you break down individual position groups, you lacked on the offensive line and you lacked on guys that can create pressure on their own. The Cameron Wake signing was the best thing that you could do in terms of a a, a veteran one year deal type of guy that could get after quarterback. He got injured. Do you get a mulligan for that? Do you get a uh, kudos for that? Absolutely. He's one of the guys that I thought that the Tennessee Titans should go after. Claps, hand claps. You get props for that. But in terms of the draft, in the ter- in terms of free agent acquisitions, getting guys that can get after the quarterback, you didn't really do that. And that's important as well. You know, it's a, it's a whole scope of things. I did some things bad. They did some things bad. But overall, that front office coaching has done a fascinating job. But what was missing was those things in my opening statement. You didn't, Even if both John Robinson and Mark Vrabel read that. So even if you didn't read the rest of it, if you just read the first page of my mock draft or my mock offseason, over 10,000 words, you would have gotten the, the, the grand scheme of things and you would be in prime playoff position you would be the division leader if you had just followed that. Now, is that hard? Not necessarily. You took Nate Davis, a, a fifth-round talent, in the third round. You only signed Roger Saffold, and you signed some, like, practice squad offensive linemen. You didn't sign Roger Saffold and Tom Compton or Ben, uh, ben Garland or draft Dennis Daly, or draft Bobby Evans, or draft or, or trade up for Michael Dieter. You like it didn't it didn't happen. You just sat on your laurels in terms of this is who I think is good, and that's it. And that was the main thing. That was my main stake was protecting the quarterback, the, uh, going after the quarterback, and giving whatever quarterback at the time it was Marcus Mariota several different types of weapons. Where you did give the quarterback several different type of weapons i will hand you that you did give this is the most talented titans roster especially in the receiving ranks that we've almost ever had 
but you know, got to protect the quarterback. What use of it? What's what's the use if you can't get the ball to them on time and things like that? But it is what it is. I think that this is you know long enough. I've vented enough. So thanks for tuning in. Um, God bless.